Welcome to Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. Uh, This is episode 50 of Now We're Talking. And uh, for episode 50, I want to talk about one of my axioms of communication, which is uh, what's meant is never what's said. And I'll get to that in a minute, but I want to start off this, uh, this episode with an anecdote about something that happened to me yesterday which is a perfect illustration of the problem of what's meant is never what's said, and also at the same time, a perfect illustration about the central kind of lesson of this whole series. Uh, I was in a meeting yesterday with uh, some colleagues of mine from a different faculty, and my program is teaching a course for, on communication to these students from a different faculty. And uh, it was a very, very contentious meeting, and extremely unfortunate so the uh, my colleague from this other faculty he wanted a particular end and he wanted and needed a specific outcome and he chose in order to try and get that outcome to deliver a threat and an ultimatum so he basically said if i don't do x the program is over they will never again (laughs) offer any courses to students uh in from our department which is kind of a shocking and stupid thing to say The reason it was stupid is what this whole podcast is trying to illustrate uh, and what this episode will will explain in some greater detail. So this person had a strategic end in mind, uh, and that strategic end was, um, well, I could be more specific. That person did not want one particular faculty member to ever teach engineering uh, students from his faculty again. And he chose as a strategic way forward to deliver the message that if that person ever did teach again for their faculty, they would not they would no longer work with us at all. Like they would not offer any sections of our courses again. So he chose to issue an ultimatum to try and get that end in place. Uh, earlier in the episode, I talked about push tactics of persuasion versus pull tactics. This is an obvious as obvious a push tactic as one can devise. Uh, it is also strategically dumb. Uh, for many, many ways. It is the worst conceivable way to achieve the end that he desired in the meeting that I could possibly design or possibly think up. It's just a terrible, terrible way to to get that end. And here's why it's a terrible, terrible way to get that end. If you're listening to this, you can ask yourself, do you like to be threatened? And do you like to be given ultimatums? Is there anybody out there that enjoys being given an ultimatum and enjoys a threat from someone else? I should hope that if you're listening, you don't enjoy being threatened. It's usually not very fun. Of course, if someone pushes us or threatens us or delivers an ultimatum, what's the likely likely effect of that ultimatum? Will that ultimatum get you what you want or will it complicate things or destroy the relationship that's uh, that's at stake in that conversation? Of course, like, you know, I don't need to recount the evidence, but in interpersonal relationships, in small group communication, ultimatums just don't work. They don't achieve the end that the the deliver the person delivering the ultimatum hopes to achieve. But it's also not just about the ultimatum. It's not, see, this person was making the mistake about the whole situation and assuming that the meaning of the situation turned on 
the delivery of the message. And that, that message was that uh, that person's faculty felt one particular person was unacceptable or not very good at teaching. That was the message. And they wanted to deliver that message. Uh, but they made the mistake of thinking that the delivery of that information constituted the entirety of the communicative problem. And it's just totally wrong. It, it, it's just not what that meeting was about. There, there was no ambiguity and there never has been any ambiguity. There was no ambiguity before the meeting. There's no ambiguity after the meeting. That faculty doesn't like this particular person very much. That message has been received time and time again. The information has been sent from point A to point B over and over and over again. But the, the, to misunderstand the entirety of what was going on by reducing it to the transmission of this message about this one person uh, was really, really unfortunate. Um, and illustrates the central kind of the central problem when we think about communication as the transmission of information. We miss so much else, and we make it highly, highly unlikely that we'll get or achieve the ends that we want. So um, it's just it, it it's just stupid is the only thing that I can think of it. And what was particularly disturbing was that after. Uh, this person made this threat and this gave, delivered this ultimatum, this person just said, well, we have plenty of people that can teach communication. And, and I just kind of rolled my eyes. I didn't bother saying anything because it's stupid. That's also a stupid, stupid thing to say. Um, that person, by saying that, is, of course, again, misunderstanding the complexity of communication and reducing it to the simple transmission of information. He thinks or he misunderstands uh, the communication problem as a simple problem when it is in fact incredibly complex in ways that while he was speaking he was demonstrating a total obliviousness to um, it's like imagine um, a 90 year old person trying to use a cell phone for the first time who's never ever seen a cell phone uh, that's this guy in this meeting it's like he's never ever thought about anything about the problem of communication other than it's just you know, I just delivered this message and everything is, is fine. Um, so anyway, th this was not a good scene. Um, I don't know what the outcome will be. Ultimately, uh, I obviously don't like that person and, and don't, there's no professional relationship or respect demonstrated. So he has destroyed uh, any sense of relationality that could be at the core of a kind of collaborative and interesting project. Uh, and he doesn't even know he did any of that stuff because he's so oblivious and so stupid. Um, okay, so let's, I want to talk about, so one of the things I tell my students all the time to remind them of the complexity of communication so that they don't make the stupid mistake this guy made is, I, I use this phrase over and over again in my classes, what's meant is never just what's said. What's meant is never what's said. So the purpose of me saying it like that is to remind people that meaning cannot be reduced to the information that's contained within a sentence or a sentiment or a statement or a piece of discourse. So when you say, I think person X is a bad teacher, the meaning of that statement is not reducible to what I called in an early, earlier episode, the denotative content of the words. So it, the meaning is not just what those words literally denote, as in person X, as you know, low teaching evaluations, or is demonstrably not very bad, uh, not very good in the classroom, etc. 
we cannot escape the fact that meaning the meaning of that sentence will come from more than just the denotative literal uh, representational meaning of the words that we've used. So in an earlier episode, I talked about what a word is, and a word is a sign. A sign is made up of signifier and signified. The signifier is the sounds or the marks on the page. The signified is the idea or the, the concept that the marks on the page or the sounds are supposed to represent. And of course, there's a gap. There's no natural relationship between the signifier and the signified. This means you live inside a system of signs. The, the job of the system of signs is to put the signifier in relationship to the signified, but there's always a gap. There's always an absence. There's always a, a space in between the signifier and signified that allows for culture or the system of signs or for a language game or for any one of a, a context, uh, occasion, audience, et cetera, any one of a number of different factors to fill in that gap in particular ways. And that gap uh, constitutes what we might call the connotative meaning of a word, uh, the suggested sort of uh, set of semiotic associations or, or, uh, or significations of the use of a particular signifier. So uh, all this is to say that, um, and it's the same in interpersonal relationships. In an earlier episode, I talked about bidding. So if our partner says to us, oh, how do I look in these jeans? They don't just mean, uh, they, they, they're not just asking for a literal uh, denotative response, good or bad. The meaning of the question is more is about more than just what, how they look in those jeans. They're asking for attention. They're making a bid for uh, our, the acknowledgement of their partner. Um, and if you don't even look up, if your partner says, how do I look at these jeans? And you're looking down, you're like, oh, you look fine. That is a literal response. It's a denotative response to the question. But your partner is going to get upset with you because you didn't respond to the real meaning of what your partner was after in that particular case. The meaning lied someplace else, someplace other than just the denotative question. And this is true always, 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 always in communication. Meaning is never reducible to just denotative uh, representational value of, of sentences, etc. Um, so meaning is also a... That, that's because... The meaning of a thing is the uh, a meaning of a sentence, the meaning of a statement, the meaning of a larger piece of discourse is always dependent on context, on audience, on what I call relationality. So every act of one of the effects of every act of communication is to form a relationship between the or among the people in communication. So in this particular case, this guy in this meeting, uh, he was enacting a certain kind of relationality. And the meaning of his statements would be or is determined by that relationality. And in that particular case, of course, uh, the relationship being enacted by the statements was one of superiority and inferiority. That is, he was asserting dominance and expertise in an area that he had none um, and trying to disrespectfully belittle uh, the other people from other places in, in the room. So uh, the meaning of that sentence was really about uh, an, the assertion of power and dominance and authority uh, in a place where he from a place of total insecurity, because of course he had no control 
most people that utter ultimatums do so because they actually don't have any power. It's an attempt to reassert power when they have none uh, in a relationship. So all of this is, of course, he's oblivious to all of this. All of it is, is kind of lost on this person. Um, but that's where part of the meeting lies in the relationship. And of course, you know, in the meeting, I pushed back. I was like, well, that's an ultimatum and I'm not going to respond to it. It's also a threat. And I don't respond to threats or ultimatums. Uh, and he got real nervous and real scared. He was a bit shaky. Uh, he was clearly upset. He was looking down. He wouldn't look up. Uh, he wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't look me in the eye. Uh, so, it, and it got real tense in the room, of course. And all of that is suggesting that the the meaning is also in part the outcome of of communication. So, what that sentence, what his original sentence would ultimately and ultimately means is going to be determined by the reaction of the people in that room and people in other rooms. I'm sure he went back to his dean or associate dean and like, that Rob Danish guy's an asshole. Uh, he's, you know, said a bunch of mean things uh, because he was upset, and so he would have needed to express that upsetness. And, of course, his dean probably doesn't get any of this either. Um, so the, the problem will reproduce itself. Um, but, but meaning um, is doesn't lie in the actual statement, Professor X is a bad teacher and we don't want that person in a classroom again. No, the, the, the meaning of that is more than just the quality of the, the teacher. It's also about the relationship between the units, between me and the other people I have to work with, between that faculty and our faculty, um, their insecurities, their um, their sense of power, or their sense of expectations or control, and whenever when that control is threatened, uh, so it's just always more. Uh, and the reason communication is so complex, and the reason it is often so hard, and so and th the reason this guy is so clueless, is because um, I, if you try desperately to reduce the meaning to just the denotative content of what's said, uh, you'll never get there. You'll never succeed in that act of reduction. And because the the more, the meaning lying in these kind of other, other places, these this kind of moreness of the, the moment, signals to, to at least the person doing the communicating that they don't have total control of the meaning or the outcome of the event. Um, and so it makes it really hard if you have to think both about the denotative literal contents of what you have to say and all of these other extra things. It requires a kind of, uh, a kind of strategic mind to weigh all of that extra, the kind of strategic mind that this person doesn't have. So when you set out... Uh, to achieve end X. So in this case, this person was sent by the associate dean uh, of faculty to deliver the message and to achieve the outcome that person Y was not to teach a class for their faculty in their faculty again. So that was the outcome. And that was the message, the, the denotative message that they attempted to deliver. Um, and in their thinking through how to do that, well, first of all, they didn't think through how to do that at all. They just went and did it. And they went and did it because they're blind to the complexity of communication. 
And when they went and did it, of course, they did not achieve the end they sought. They made it more complex and um, uh, more difficult to achieve that end. And that's true for so many people. Um, and it's true for so, so many people are doing that because they don't recognize that meaning is never, is not, uh, um, what's meant is never just what's said. Meaning doesn't just lie in the denotative uh, literal representational value of the words being uttered. It lies in, in these other places, in context, in relationality, um, in a chain of signification, uh, in audiences, in the audience's responses, uh, and in the outcomes of uh, a kind of interaction. Uh, so, so meaning, um, and really, and this whole series, and you know, what I, if I ever see that guy again, or if I'm ever in a meeting like that, I, I made a mistake in that meeting. Um, of course, I had an emotional response. I got upset because someone was threatening me, um, and I should have known better. I should have thought, okay, I'm getting upset. I shouldn't get. I can't react to the, to this. Uh, what I should have done is uh, said or explained to him uh, what communication is and tried to go from there, tried to, to move the conversation onto some more substantive ground. Uh, of course, he was representing the faculty of engineering and also makes, you know, engineers just fundamentally don't understand this about life, uh, at least the ones that I've mostly met. Uh, and they also make the mistake of thinking technical communication is different than regular old human communication. Uh, which is again the mistake he was making because they assume that in technical communication you can reduce meaning to just literally what's said so you can and, and all of technical communication is in some sense about reducing all of the complexity and the otherness and the moreness of a communicative interaction so that just the the plainness of the denotativeness of uh of whatever is being expressed is is left and technical communication in that sense is a fundamentally failed project. It does it cannot do that work. It's not work that's even possible uh, in human communication, uh, even though that, that's what engineers are seeking to do. Uh, so I would have tried to explain to him that what he sought in technical communication was an impossibility, and that's because he didn't understand the problem of communication in and of itself. Um, the, I, there's a couple other ways to, to think about this. Uh, so I think um, when I talk about what's meant is never just what's said, I also, uh, I also often talk to my students about ideology at that point, whereby uh, the is gets collapsed with the oughts. Uh, so whenever we sort of watch a movie or read a book, um, Harry Potter or a, a romantic comedy, and the romantic comedy or the book depicts a world and just says, this is the way the world is. And the outcome of a movie, let's say the outcome of a romantic comedy, um, boy and girl meets, then there's some trouble, then they reconcile, and at the end of the movie, they're in love and they live happily ever after. And so some people that make and watch romantic comedies, they're they're thinking about or they're interested in whether or not that that movie represents the world as they experience it. And sure, that's a question we can ask of a movie, like a romantic comedy. Is it representative of the world I'm experiencing? Um, but the meaning of that movie isn't reducible to just whether or not it represents the world as I'm experiencing it. It's also um, a kind of recommendation for how you ought to live. 
it also is suggesting to you through its depiction of the way, uh, through its depiction of a representation of the world, that that representation of the world is a particularly good one, has a value to it, attached to it. So it's the way you ought to live um, and you ought to aspire to live that way. So the meaning of the, of the movie is not reducible to whether or not it represents the world. It's also about you know, making a persuasive suggestion about how you ought to live and what ought to be a kind of aspiration for your life. Um, so, okay, whenever we get a letter, whenever someone speaks to us, whenever uh, you read a book or watch a movie, if you ask yourself, what's the meaning of this book or what's the meaning of, of what this person just said, you can and ought to think about denotative or representational value of the, the statement. So, you know, is this person really not a very good teacher? Is that a true, uh, valid kind of denotative statement to make? But you can't stop there. You have to ask yourself, uh, if you're asking yourself what this means, you're, you're not just asking yourself uh, what, what the representational value of the statement is. You're asking yourself about all of that moreness too, all of that complexity, uh, what chain of signification is being evoked by this? What are the connotative meanings? What kind of relationship is being established? Is that relationship productive or counterproductive or destructive? Uh, is there an ought implied in an is? Uh, in all of these ways, um, there are a meaning, uh, what's the outcome of this particular thing? What are the effects of it? Uh, meaning lies in all of those places just as much as it lies in the denotative or literal representational meaning, of, the representational value of the, of the sentence. Okay, so all of us should remember whenever we're talking to anybody, whenever we're delivering a speech, writing a, an email, um, participating in a, in a meeting, the meaning is not reducible to the literal denotative representational value of the thing said. What's meant is never just what's said. It's always more complicated than that. And it always implicates a whole range of other factors. Uh, and really, if we're interested in the problem of human communication, then we're interested in meaning and we're not interested in information transmission. Um, okay, everyone, thanks for listening. And hopefully I'll be back soon with episode 51.